When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Uh, but in the meantime, it's time to talk uh, the beautiful game, or is it the beautiful game? Two weeks into the new English Premier League season, and Manchester United fans could be forgiven for wanting to hit the panic button already after losing 2-0 to Brighton in their opener, followed by 4-0 to Brentford on Sunday, 4-0 down in the first half. Elsewhere in the world of football, New Zealand's under-20 women's team are competing in the World Cup, went down 3-0 to Germany. So there's plenty going on in the beautiful game for Kiwi fans, unless, I think, if you're a devout Manchester United fan, uh, like uh, our guest is uh, Ricardo Ball, who is uh, always available to us, which is fantastic. Uh, Ricardo, what the hell's going on? What is going on at Manchester United? That that is the ultimate question, Smithy, the ultimate question. Apparently, the latest is that the senior playing group have sent an SOS to the board to tell them to pull their finger and sign more players. Um, they had five senior players leave uh, from last season, and uh, they haven't really replaced them. You know, I mean, there, there were lots of play, uh, you know, if you looked at when United needs, needed strengthening, it, it was midfield and it was up front. And what have we done? We've signed another left back, we've signed another centre back, and we've signed Christian Eriksen for midfield. So really haven't strengthened where they needed to strengthen. Obviously, Ten Hag uh, wanted another option left back, which is why they went there. There's a guy, uh, Lisandro Martinez, who they've signed from Ajax as a centre-back who's someone he's worked with that he obviously wanted in the team. So they've gone and got those players. But they've not spent the money you expected them to, to spend. And they haven't strengthened where the team needs to be strengthened. I mean, Edinson Cavani left. You know, he was the number nine. Uh, when Ronaldo wasn't around, he left. They knew he was leaving. They left. They knew in January, and they don't. They haven't had an answer. They haven't signed anyone. And it, you know, the real concerning thing for me, Smithy, is it seems like there's a really real lack of a transfer plan or direction. And by, by that, I mean there was a link about a week ago for Manchester United to sign a guy, Marco Arnautovic, who's an Austrian international. He's playing in Italy at the moment. He's previously played for West Ham, but he's 33. And United made a bid for him, and it was all over the papers that United wanted him in. Now, do I think he's the right man for the job? Not really. But then they obviously, you would expect the club to have a plan. And, you know, if they said, look, we think this guy's going to do a job, he's worked on Ten Hag before, they know each other, he can be the third choice, number nine, he gives us some options across the front. Um, you know, he he's a short term. He's he's here for short term uh, and to fix a, a depth issue. Then you go, okay, that's fine. So what happens? Well, there's fan outrage because the fans don't understand why this signing's being made, and the club all of a sudden go, oh, okay, you don't want him, so we're not going to sign him. And that for me is even more concerning. I mean, 
Um, if you've got a plan, you stick to your plan. You don't put it out there and then see what the fans think. And if the fans react badly, then you go in a different direction. It's a, it's a complete schmozzle at the moment. So who owns the club and have they got the money that, that you, you think they need to spend? Well, yeah, that, that is uh, the million-dollar question as well, Smitty. I mean, the Glazers own the club. And they have never put any of their own money into the club. Uh, you know, they've owned it for 10 years. They did something that had never been done before in English football, and that is they effectively mortgaged the club. So they bought the club, and then the debt that uh, they had incurred, they, they put on the club. So they, they're debt-free. But you have this club that has always been debt-free and makes millions and millions of dollars or millions of pounds. And they, lumble, uh, they, they lumped all the debt onto the club. So the club all of a sudden is having to service 700 million pounds worth of debt um, for, for them to be able to buy it. So they've never put any money into it. The club has just survived on the money it's made that they haven't pulled out in dividends. And over 10 years, they've pulled 1.5 billion uh, pounds in, in dividends out of the club. So uh, they've not spent on infrastructure. The, the stadium, Old Trafford, needs a lot of work. It's an, it's an old stadium now. It's starting to, to feel old, to look old. Um, they've had problems with the roofs leaking and all sorts of things. Uh, they need a new training facility. They, they haven't got any money into anything. They're just sitting in Tampa, uh, taking money out when they can. I mean, they took $24 million out uh, this month in dividends when you're in the middle of a transfer window and the club needs strengthening and they're, you know, there was a story going around uh, about a striker that they were trying to sign and they were quibbling on the price over, uh, I think it was about a 10 million, 10 million difference between the selling club and, the, and United, what they were willing to spend, and they ended up not doing the deal. But they've just pulled $24 million out of the club in dividends for themselves. So I think you can see where their priority is, and it's not the football club. OK, so um, let's look at uh, the players they have at the moment. They're still, talent-wise... Better than bottom of the table, aren't they? They're better than losing to Brighton and honestly being 4-0 down at half-time to Brentford. So what is happening within the the group that they've got? There's a few things going on. One, they've obviously got a new manager in Eric Ten Hag and he's trying to change the way they play. He wants them to play a different style uh, and he's trying to implement that. And I don't think that maybe some of the players that are there, while they're very good players, are the players that he needs to do that. And you you could start by looking at the Brentford game, uh, the first two goals. One was a mistake by David De Gea. He should never have made it. Uh, ball went under him. It was an easy shot to save. But I think he had already saved the ball and punted it upfield, you know, in his head before he actually done the, done the work. It goes under him, 1-0 down. Then he plays a, a short ball to Christian Eriksen, who gets mugged on the edge of the area, and it's 2-0. And that's part of the issue that they have as well is Eric Ten Hag, a big part of what he wants to do is he wants the, the team to play out from the back and to continue to dominate position rather than lump the ball upfield like you, you would have done in the past. So play it out, hold the position, hold the position and build phases uh, that way. Uh, but De Gea has never been a player who's been overly confident with the ball to his feet. Uh, you know, you compare him to, say, uh, Edison at Manchester City. He was, you know, when Pep Guardiola took over, one of the first things he did was get rid of Joe Hart because he wasn't good enough with the ball at his feet. Uh, Allison at Liverpool is another one. Ramsdale at, at Arsenal uh, was bought for the same reason. Uh, they were there to supersede keepers who weren't good, uh, weren't good enough with the ball at their feet. Now, if you look at last season, the passing percentages, you know, passing accuracy, completed passes, Edison, Allison are making about 88, 85% roughly around there uh, of the passes they make are completed, in ter- which means they get to the player they're intended for who controls it. David De Hayes is at about 69, so there's a, you know about a 20% difference there. 
Um, and so I think that is the issue. I also think, you know, that Harry um, Maguire, who's a previously been England captain, was one of England's best players at the last World Cup. He's lost his confidence. Um, he gets turned too easily. He's a little bit slow. He's an old school sort of English centre back who's good with his head, uh, but he's getting found out. And and I, I just I just think it's a confidence issue as well. And then the other issue that they have is Cristiano Ronaldo, which is you know an interesting conversation to have. Um, if you go back to when he arrived at the club. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was still in charge. Uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, the season before he arrived, had led United to second in the Premier League and to the final of the Europa League. He had brought in Rafael Varane and uh, Jadon Sancho, two players he wanted. He, he, he had identified he wanted a uh, more cultured centre-back who can play the ball out of it like a Rio Ferdinand. He wanted a, a right winger, which is what he had in Sancho. And the way that he had United playing, those players suited. The club then went and brought Cristiano Ronaldo and gave him to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He didn't want him, um, and he had to try and change the way he played to fit Ronaldo in, and he couldn't drop him, and that uh, ultimately led to Ole's demise. And I think Ten Hag's having the same problems. Um, you know, I was watching uh, a show uh, just this weekend, actually, with a couple of former players, and they're saying the thing with Ronaldo is he's such a big name, such a big player, you know, possibly the greatest ever. Uh, and he is not shy to throw his hands up in the air and castigate somebody if they don't pass him the ball at the right space. These guys are saying, you know, ex-pros, and you look at that with a guy of, of, of that ability, and you've got young players like Sancho, like Rashford, uh, even guys like Bruno Fernandes, um, who now are second-guessing themselves because they're like, if I don't pass this to him um, and I make a wrong or make a mistake, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get yelled at, and I don't want that to happen. So they take, they're taking safe options, and I, so I think... Uh, Ronaldo at the club is an issue as well and as many goals as he scored last season I think he's created more issues than he helped solve. Well they have got um, a little bit of a break and when I say that it's about eight days away until they play next Tuesday um, against uh, a Liverpool side who uh, haven't exactly started with a hiss and a roar either they were one all this morning um, on the back of uh, a draw with Crystal Palace where they had uh, Darwin Nunes sent off in the 57th minute. So uh, it's not going swimmingly either for Liverpool, but that'll be an interesting matchup. It'll be a very interesting matchup. There's a lot of work for Ten Hag to do before that. I mean, that game is at Old Trafford, but I mean, last time United played Liverpool at Old Trafford, they lost 4 0. Uh, Liverpool absolutely trounced them. So uh, there's a lot of work to be done. He needs to figure out uh, what he's going to do to fix it. I mean, you know, and that's the other thing too for De Gea. De Gea had a fantastic season last last season in goal for United, but he had Dean Henderson breathing down his neck. Now, Dean Henderson didn't feel like he got the opportunities he deserved, so they sent him out on loan. All of a sudden, there's no one pushing De Gea. There's no out-and-out number two there. So I think that's been an issue. And so what does Ten Hag do? Um, and, you know, you're right. It's a Liverpool team uh, that'll be turning up at Old Trafford without Darwin Nunes, their big signing uh, from the summer, and uh, they have two draws from their first two games, which is not how they saw the season starting. So, yeah, you've got Manchester United, Liverpool, both winless, two games into the, or two rounds into the Premier League season. They're going to meet each other at Old Trafford. They'll like, both be gunning for a win. They both need a win, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And at the moment, you know, the way United are playing, even though Liverpool aren't on song, you'd think it's going to be difficult for United to get a win in that game. Tottenham uh, got out of jail yesterday, literally in about, uh, what, the 97th minute, I think it was. Uh, they got a late uh, goal courtesy of Harry Kane, two all with Chelsea. Uh, but at the end of it, we saw a couple of managers going toe-to-toe. And, um, of course, both of them have uh, ended up with um, 
red cards and uh, issues to deal with themselves. So what is going on there? Yeah, well, I mean, Thomas Tuchel afterwards spoke, he, you know, and he said, look, you know, we should have won this game 2-0. Both those Tottenham goals should have been ruled out. Um, and he's actually called uh, uh, Anthony Taylor, who refereed the game, to never referee Chelsea again. Um, and it's an interesting one because I've got some friends who are very big Chelsea fans, uh, and when Anthony Taylor was named as the referee, they were like, oh, no, he always referees badly against us. Um, and they've pulled up a whole bunch of instances in the past where uh, big decisions and big games have gone against Chelsea when Anthony Taylor is in charge. And uh, sure enough, uh, that's what happened. So, yeah, Tuchel's thing was, you know, the first goal, there had been a foul on Kai Havertz. That, that's how Spurs had won the ball. And then when the shot, you know, when the shot had come in, uh, Rich Allison was in an offside position obscuring the keeper. Um, so should have, VAR should have gone upstairs and, and called that goal off. But even worse, I think, was the, was the second goal because uh, that came from the corner. And the corner before that, uh, Mark Cucurella, the big-haired uh, defender that I've just signed Chelsea from Brighton, uh, he had uh, Romero, the Tottenham defender, grabbed a whole handful of the back of his hair and yanked him to the ground by the back of his head. Um, which probably should have been a red card. It's been the violent conduct. Uh, it happened in front of the referee. He didn't do anything about it. It went upstairs to VAR. VAR didn't do anything about it. The goal stood. So you can see why Thomas Tuchel's annoyed. Uh, the first one, I think, you could probably, you could argue either way, but I think I don't think there's any argument for the second one. I think VAR made a, has had a howler, and uh, I also think Anthony Taylor's done excuse for him not seeing it because it was right in his eye line. So, yeah, I think that is, uh, has led to a lot of this. And also... You know, these two very competitive managers. And when Spurs uh, equalised the first time, Antonio Conte ran and celebrated right in Tuchel's face. And then when when Chelsea went ahead, uh, the second time Tuchel ran past the Spurs dugout and celebrated and ran down the touchline about 30 yards. So uh, they were certainly amping each other up. And I think they're both going to have potentially big sideline bans and uh, a lot of please explains. Arsenal and Manchester City have uh, started the, the season in a pretty impressive fashion. Although off the field, uh, Manchester City are going to have to deal with uh, Benjamin Mendy's r- r- trial for um, eight counts of rape, which is not going to be pretty. It's going to be ongoing. Uh, he's pleaded not guilty, so it's going to be a long, drawn-out affair hanging over, hanging over or around the club. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, how this has been talked about more, I'm not sure. And, you know, it's it's been a an issue for Manchester City as well on, on several counts, you know, because the thing that this this arrest happened, he was arrested, he was charged, he was released on bail, and yet they kept, they didn't suspend him. He kept um, training with the club um, last season, and it was at the beginning of last season that that happened. Uh, it wasn't until the Manchester Evening News ran a story questioning why the club hadn't suspended him, that they then turned around and suspended him. Um, and he hasn't played for them since, much like the Mason Greenwood situation at Manchester United. So uh, it's impacted them that way. I don't think it's been uh, a positive impact at all. I know the, uh, the captain of the women's team at Manchester City, who have always been very successful, uh, has complained about it as well. She's, uh, they had a couple of players leave over it uh, from the women's team because he was still allowed to be in their changing, well, you're not changing areas, but their training areas and things. And they're like, we, sh- we shouldn't have a bloke like that around here. So it's causing that problem. But also he was brought to solve their problem at left back, which has been an ongoing problem for them. Zinchenko, who they've just sold to Arsenal, who had done the job, but he wasn't really a left back. He was a midfielder that Pep turned into a left back. 
And they've had Cancelo who can play there, but he's more of a right back. So it's caused them that problem as well. They may have have uh, solved it now. Uh, they've just signed a guy out of uh, the Belgian top division, uh, but he's only a youngster. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes or whether they, throw, they trust him and put him straight in there. But it's certainly something that uh, Manchester City are going to have to keep an eye on. Right, let's uh, get away from uh, the uh, EPL, incidentally, in its 30th anniversary year. So uh, they're going to hope for uh, much better behaviour in and around it, I'm sure. Marco Rojas uh, enjoyed a stellar debut for Colo Colo in the Chilean League. Yeah, fantastic, wasn't it? The semi, he, um, he's obviously been there... Uh, they, he arrived middle of the season and he's come off an off-season, so it took him a little while to get up to speed. I interviewed Marco a couple of weeks ago. He's really enjoying uh, being in Chile. His dad is obviously Chilean. His dad's a, a super Colo Colo fan. He was as a kid too. They'd get the tapes sent over from Chile and they would sit down and watch them. He was telling me about that. And uh, fantastic to see him uh, get an opportunity. So he comes off the bench with about half an hour to go and then sets up the winner for them uh, at home in his first game. So yeah, absolute fairy tale stuff for for Marco Rojas and uh, hopefully it means if he's playing at that level I mean this Colo Colo team are uh, one of the two biggest teams in Chile they play in the uh, Copa Libertadores which is like the South American Champions League as well so they're playing all the top Brazilian and Argentinian teams he's playing at that level he should be able to force himself now you'd think back into the reckoning with the all watch particularly if he can stay fit I stumbled onto uh, the New Zealand women's under 20 side playing against Germany the other day. Hold on, uh, they held out for quite some time before Germany got to three second-half goals quite late. Uh, they were drawn also with Mexico 1-1. Uh, they're still in contention, uh, I think, to make the quarters if they can perhaps beat Colombia tomorrow. Uh, how do you see their performance in this tournament? Well, I thought the game against Mexico was really good. Um, I, thought, I thought it was actually a pretty even game. You know, I, I expected the Mexicans to probably dominate it, and they and they did to an extent, but not as much as I thought they would. I thought um, Jim Lewis had the team playing some good football. They gave the Mexicans a lot of problems. They took the lead in that game um, for through a fantastic strike. So I think you know um, Grace Wisniewski's uh, strike uh, gave them a one 0 lead in that game, and and they played really well. They didn't do that. We've got a 1-0 lead. Let's go back into our shell. They continue to attack. Um, and, you know, the Mexicans are a very good team. They, they pull one back. A 1-0 wasn't the worst result. But, yeah, Colombia is going to be interesting because the Colombians beat the Germans in their first game. So uh, that Colombian team is very, very good, very strong. And uh, they'll have to get a win there to qualify for the next round. The draw's not going to be enough after they lost to the Germans. And I think they'll be a bit disappointed about that because you're right. I thought they played pretty well in the first half. But in the second half, they just fell too deep and they just let the Germans come onto them and they couldn't really get out of their own half. It became a, became a real issue for them. So I think they've done some really good things, but they were in an extremely tough group. And uh, I think, yeah, they'll be coming home after the group stage. I, I can't see them beating Colombia and, and, and making the knockouts, unfortunately. OK, uh, Ricardo Ball, as always, uh, keeping us up to date uh, with what's happening, uh, particularly with Manchester United, but uh, in the world of football in general. Always great catching up, uh, Ricardo. Chat again soon. Thank you. Cheers, buddy. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.